I think we need to have Kevin Hart on here because he's living his best life at 5'4". Oh, I'm telling you. He's rich and famous, no. Because his bank account makes him six foot. Okay. <laughs> Before they get in your business, be in charge of your business. Own it because it's your business, your business, business. What's up, what's up, everybody? Welcome into Montgomery and Company. We're getting social this week, okay? We're getting social, and I want you to be influenced. We have the social media manager for the Atlanta Dream, Sydney Price, is coming through to talk a little bit about building your brand. And we also have Eb Jones, who is the influencer VP of, well, she's the VP of influencer marketing for VaynerX. That's Gary V's company. You guys, I'm sure have heard of him. So we're going to discuss just how to build your brand, what it looks like in that market. And also we're going to discuss a new People article that came out about a Georgia man who paid for a certain lengthening surgery. I'm going to just leave it at that. We're going to discuss it as a crew. It's going to be lit. Be influenced. Let's go. Confidence is what's on the menu today. And being an athlete, I feel like I've had to learn how to be confident. Like I learned from a young age, like at five, six, I had to learn to stand tall. Like, because I'm not very tall in the sports world. I might be average height in the regular world, but I had to learn to stand tall at five, six, playing alongside players that are six, five, six, 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 seven. And I had to build that confidence with myself. How do you even become a shooter? You know how some people in sports, you know, there's a person that's a slasher. There's a person that is a point guard setting everybody up. And then there's also some people that are shooters as well. Like, how do you even become a shooter? It's all confidence. Like if you look at, and it's not to say that people that aren't shooters aren't confident, but to be a shooter, you have to be confident. You can't be a shooter without confidence because if you don't think you're going to make the shot, you're not going to make the shot. Like that's what sports teaches you. I think a lot of people don't realize the power of thought, like the power of your mind, the power of how your mind can literally control what you do and how you do it and how well you do it. We learned that in sports is inherent because I know that if I think it's going in, it has a way better chance of going in than when I don't know if it's going in. But maybe at work, you weren't necessarily taught like, oh, I have to be confident in myself. I have to be confident in how I walk, even fashion. You know, like we're going to talk to JT, a fashion designer coming up next weekend wearing fashion. It's like you could wear something that costs $10. How are you wearing it, though? That's your confidence showing. You know, I've never really been one to be into big labels and big brands and big names. Um, I like what I like. So if it looks good, if it's dope, then I like it. But I don't like it just because it's expensive. And I don't dislike it just because it's inexpensive, because how I wear it, how I feel in it, that's what matters. And I think that that's what confidence is. It's how you present yourself is a real thing. And I mean, even in the workplace, if you're more confident, you may be more apt to ask for a raise or you may, if you're more confident, you may just do better at your job, literally. Like if you're confident a lot more times, you're going to be more successful because you will that to happen. And I'm not like, I'm just telling you things that in the athletic world, these are, if athletes are listening to this right now, all of them are like, duh or even entertainers, because you have to be confident to get told no 100 times or to not get a role 100 times and to just keep applying for roles, keep giving your best shot at auditions. You have to be confident. 
But I don't necessarily know if you're not in these spaces of in, like the entertainment spaces where you're putting on a show. If if you're not in those spaces, I don't necessarily know if you learn to be confident like sports teaches you or like theater teaches you. So that's what this is all about this week. It's like being your most confident self, being your most authentic self. There's code switching that comes into play where, you know, like at uh, beforehand, you had to code switch. You know, there was a generation where if you didn't fit in, you wasn't going to get a job or you wasn't going to do this or you weren't going to do that. And that might have affected people's confidence. But it's a new age, baby. OK, and confidence is on the menu. And so I'm going to get right into it. Um, Sydney Price, she's our social media manager for the Atlanta Dream. Before that, you know, she's worked at some major companies and, and she knows how to build online and she knows how to build a brand. And that's why we have her here with the Atlanta Dream, hoping to build our digital presence. So let's talk about it, Sydney. And, and y'all know this because if you've been following week to week on the show, you know that we've been bringing you dream players, dream staff, but we've been elevating at every position. So you're a social, like you're, this is a big role, okay? Like for us, because social media is how we connect to our fans, how we connect to the world. So first of all, coming to a sports team, what are your thoughts? I think that it's amazing to see how many people are so passionate about what they do, not just about the league, um, but about their position and how we all put the puzzle pieces together to make the final picture. So I'm, I'm excited to work with passionate people. I, I think love that. Do yeah, you think it's different? Because what's your background? Social. So, so social, but what yeah. like field? Was it like what corporate? Field? Was it fashion? Uh, was it entertainment? Yeah. So entertainment. So do you see similarities or like differences with sports? Like what kind of because I'll, we're a sports entertainment type of podcast, so we yeah. it's synonymous to us. My wife is a singer, like so mm. I'm in both worlds. Do you see similarities in those worlds? For sure, I do. I think or differences. I think yeah. I feel like there's a lot more differences with sports. It kind of feels like like the embodiment factor, like people kind of embodying these players themselves and feeling like really, really connected to them is really different to me. Um, I like that. And I think it's, there's just a lot of passion and like fire, like We're crazy, energy. are you just saying we're crazy? Are you trying to tell me, cause I'm an athlete, it's okay. Like I know I'm crazy oh. now that I'm retired. It's like, we're crazy over here in sports, aren't we? We're a little bit crazy. You know, it's passion. <laughs> <laughs> this is great, cause I know it's true, but it's hilarious to see. So when you're creating a caption or something for a post, like, and it doesn't have to be sports, but how do you like just come up with it out of nowhere? Like that's a kind of like curating captions and framing a picture. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard because it's not like you know a personal photo. Exactly. Where you just be like let me throw a song lyric or something up there, <laughs> but it's like um, I think it's really getting into the mind of like a fan, you know, and trying to see like what is the lingo. You know, <laughs> let me tell you, because we're not going to have insiders in here. I just did the Atlanta Dream social media station. Obviously, she was leading it. She had all kinds of questions about what is this like? What is the real meaning of this? What is it called? Slang. Mm -hmm. And I thought I got them all right. Apparently, I got them all wrong. So I didn't do well, but that's what you remember. So go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you know, just understanding what the slang is, understanding the lingo and really just getting into the mind of a fan. Like, you know. 
just having that that culture, that sports culture, that fan culture. But I'm learning. I love that. Yeah. And so, what are goals of like a social media manager? Like, I mean, like, because it's like I'm trying to. I never. I don't know what you guys do. I know that yeah. you guys post this stuff, but I want to know, like, mm -hmm. how can you measure success? Ooh, I mean, a lot of different ways. Obviously, there's like KPIs, key performance indicators, and that could be likes, it could be comments or whatever. But I manage, I like gauge success through like impact, really. Right. Yeah. yeah, and just telling real stories, honestly. If I can do that, then I did my job. Yeah, because I don't know. I know that KPI, as a businesswoman, I should tell you that is a marker. But I feel mm -hmm. like with social media, there are literally times where it's like, whether it's the algorithm or other mm -hmm. things where like people may not even see your post yeah. to like it. Mm -hmm. So what do you do if like you thought you had a killer post, right? <laughs> I know you've been there. It's like, this was it. And yeah. then you posted it. It's like crickets. Mm. <laughs> I mean... One thing, I'm not afraid to repost something. Okay. Like, if it, if it needs to go up again, I'll do it. So you'll take it all the way down and put it back up again? Absolutely. Why not? I mean, I'm yeah. glad. People need to hear this because everybody is yeah. their own social media manager right now. Yeah. Like, you're our Atlanta dream social media manager. But mm. I'm asking questions that, like, because we all run our own brand. So it's like, mm. we've all been there. We have a great post. And it's like, dang, ain't nobody like my post. Yeah. I mean, also, don't be afraid to put it on another platform. Like there's so many different audiences and people to speak to and I think we kind of pigeonhole ourselves to Instagram or Twitter or whatever, dropping on another platform. And so you actually talked to me about YouTube. I, yeah. Like when you first saw me, you were like, what you doing on YouTube, right? Is that mm -hmm. kind of what you like? Because YouTube is a whole, well, we're asking favorite streaming networks. Like people were saying mm -hmm. YouTube as their favorite like TV streaming platform. Yeah. So is that like, where do you, like does things perform well, better over on YouTube? Like, mm, I would say that the whole social landscape is becoming streaming, you know? Yeah. So like even TikTok itself, um, Instagram. Yeah. So when I create, I kind of create in series. Right, like shows have seasons. Like yeah. my content has seasons. So interesting, yeah. girl. Little, yeah, because yeah. I don't even know what to ask you. Like, you just <laughs> dropped a ball on me. I'm like, wait a minute. So you have seasons or mm. series? What did you say? Series. So yeah. what? Like, so basically, do you change your content for the platform? Like, I know that mm. I'm not even talking dimensions. Like, I know like oh, a square Instagram, but I'm mm. saying like, do you actually change the content for the different platforms? Yeah, oftentimes I do. I wouldn't say put everything everywhere all at once. Like that is not the way to go. Um, so for like, I create a lot of things for YouTube, mm -hmm. um, but I've been creating for TikTok first now. Hmm. So it's kind of like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so for TikTok, I'll create things where I can kind of dig a little bit deeper and like be myself, be a little bit more informal. And then I'll button it up um, for Instagram if I have to or something like that. Throw it on YouTube Shorts. That's a new platform True. that's kind of like rolling. So like, yeah, I definitely flip it. Interesting. Sure. Okay. And so, I mean, like I have like, cause I think people would really want to hear this. So what do you think is the best way if somebody doesn't have necessarily followers or people mm -hmm. are following and they're trying to just engage and build their platform? Yeah. Is it just starting to just post, but is it hashtags? Like how, how do you build a platform? Mm, I think for people building a platform, the hardest part is starting. So I would say that don't focus on like virality. Mm. Don't focus on like getting eyes to Going you. Going viral. Yeah. I'm translating, you know what I'm saying, okay. Um, 
I would say focus on kind of creating um, almost like a database, like have a bunch of content because, right, we're talking series, we're talking, yeah. you know, episodes, have episodes. So when you do have that viral moment, people can go through all your content, mm. you know, that is so definitely you basically, it's, it's kind of like, I think everything relates to sports, you're going to realize this with me, but it's basically like sports, like if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready is what we say in Absolutely. sports. So if you already had 25 episodes and somebody doesn't see you until episode 26, they about to go back and binge the whole. Come yeah. On, sit. I yeah. see what you. Did. It don't matter if they didn't see the first twenty five. You can have zero views the first twenty five. Literally, because are you gonna follow somebody that has one video on their page or like fifty videos on their page? You're right. Because how else are we gonna stalk and scroll and exactly. all that? Like, and Mr. Beast. I think I like obviously you know who Mr. Beast mm -hmm. is. So they he basically said he went like two years without getting any type of engagement. But then yeah. when it blew. He started making so much money so fast because they were binge watching all of his two years worth of content. Exactly. Wow. So, like, I mean, and what is always because a hairstylist may not have her hair done. So, what does mm. your social media look like? Like, are you on point with? I'm just, Absolutely. you know what I mean? Because are you really Absolutely. on point with your social? Very ready. Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> okay. is that the resume nowadays? Yeah. It really is. It's the resume, it's the dating profile. It's okay. Are we single? So, Oh, you're no not comment. single? Oh, okay, that's <laughs> weird. No cap. Okay. <laughs> we ain't gonna put your business out there. But okay, but I'm really liking this because I think a lot of people's social media is a thing that they almost like, oh, like I don't feel like posting. So yeah. what about the people that it's like, I can't post consistently. What advice would you give to those people that just, I don't have the time to post all the time? You have to make it a part of your lifestyle. You know, so like find the things that you always do. Humans, we, we have habits, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're always getting up and doing your makeup every day, put a camera in front of you while you do your makeup. Like Got simple, you, you know, yeah. if you're going to the gym, film yourself at the gym. Like make it a part of your daily life. I yeah. love that. Make the content a part of your daily life. This is our Atlanta dream. So when you see the tweets, when you see the stuff, <laughs> this is who's behind it. Appreciate you, man. We're excited to have you, but appreciate you joining me on the show. Thank you. All right, coming up next, we have Eb Jones, who is the VP of Influencer Marketing for VaynerX. She's going to come on and talk to the crew. We have that People article. I told you there was a, a listening surgery. We're going to talk all about it. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So this is dope because if y'all hear me call her baby G, that is just because she is the homie. But I'm here with the VP of Influencer Marketing of VaynerX, Ev Jones from, 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 from. Let's
let's go. I definitely was like, are we going to call each other each other nicknames or are we going real names? Because if I slip up, we'll call you Mary Lewis. Everybody was like, what is happening right now? But- yeah, so as you guys can tell, we actually, we know each other, know each other, but it's crazy because like Eb and I are homies, but I know she's doing dope stuff. So I'm like, pull up to the pod and let's talk about it because Okay, so you're the VP of Influencer Marketing, and we know now, we've seen enough about it, I've talked enough about it that NIL has pretty much taken over like a lot of things where you see influencers in movies, I see influencers in music, I see influencers in sports athletes. So tell me like what's going on with the landscape because you're actually in it. The landscape is crazy right now. We're a little over two years into it. So a lot of things have changed. Like that first year was just really everybody figuring out, okay, what can we can do? Like we we now can like do this thing. So what, what can we do with it? So that first year was a lot of figuring out, a lot of like regulations coming in, limited stuff. Like we know we started out where the teams in, in the in the schools were like getting deals for their students. Like that was part of recruitment. And now like that's illegal. They can't do that anymore. It has to be completely separate. Um, students have to have their own agents and do stuff on their own. Like the teams can't come in or the schools can't come in and, and garner those deals for them. So that's changed and regulated. But I think the biggest part for me on my side with doing influencer stuff is brands finally realizing there's a huge difference between an endorsement deal and being a brand ambassador and being an influencer in the NIL world. Because so can you just break down each one? What is each one so that we know? Yeah, so when you're a brand ambassador or an endorser, that's like a normal deal, but college kids are not able to do it. So that's like when they get an athlete and it's a long-term deal, you have a whole bunch of obligations to do for them. Usually it's a big shoot, commercial stuff. They usually shoot everything for you. Like you, they fly you out and they have the whole production and all of that. Those are those big deals, those million dollar deals that like less than 1% of the, what is it? Like over 500,000 college athletes right now are getting those big deals. The majority of the money that college athletes are going to make is from the influencer realm. That's those one-off deals where a brand just comes to you. They like your following. They like your social, their social content and want you a part of some sort of campaign or some sort of launch. And it's not a long-term deal. And you may just get like 20 K for that TikTok post or something like that. And then you're moving 20K on. 20 K for a TikTok post. Is that realistic? If you got the following, yes, it is very realistic. What? And that's on the lower spectrum. If you got like millions of followers, that's the lower spectrum of what you're going to get. So brands are like figuring out that balance. Like, is it worth spending that much money on those long-term deals? Or is it worth just utilizing somebody for a month or two? And then also with the difference of that is like, Brands are starting to realize that just because you have a million followers as a college athlete on a TikTok does not make you a content creator. So these influencers that have millions of followers are, that's all they do all day is make content. So a lot of brands are finding it hard to find college students that actually can create content themselves. Interesting. And so like, I definitely want to like, just give some advice on that point. Because I want to set the stage because like we're talking about for college athletes, but you got to realize like everybody that has their social media, everybody's trying to be an influencer in their own right. So this ain't even just for college athletes. Like what are what is some of your advice for for this type of execution? For influencers in general, like I, I say this all the time. I'm like, please have like your location and your bio. Please have your contact info in your bio. There's so many times that I want to give money to somebody and I can't get in touch with them. Don't know where they're located. Any sort of life events that are happening 
happening, have that in your bio. If you just got engaged, if you if you're pregnant, have that stuff there because brands are looking for that. And there's only a short amount of time that they can activate with you for those little those short term like life moments. So anything that like is like that. Make sure you have it in your bio. Make sure people are, it's easy for people to find you. But then when it comes to NIL, if you're not an inherent content creator, and also don't pigeonhole your content either. Like you don't want to make yourself only be one thing online because then brands are only look at you for that. So if you are only one thing, then that's completely fine. Like if you only do food stuff, then only do food stuff. But if you're a multifaceted, multi-talented person, make sure your feed shows all of that so that brands will be like, because sometimes we get the most niche asks and they're like, we want a skateboarder that like, dresses high fashion and only wears like some big brand. And you're like, but skateboarders what? are usually like low end, like baggy jeans, like ripped t-shirts, but you want a high end skateboarder. So like, <laughs> so like if you show, so say you're a skateboarder, but you're in the fashion or in the sneakers or something like show that side too, because brands look, that's how they, that's how we find you. Those databases, we put in keywords and then people get presented to us. So if you don't use, if everything about you, you aren't showing on your, on your profiles, then people won't find you or know that you do those things. And then when it comes to college athletes, with your schedule, with you not inherently being a content creator, partner with like a communications major or a video production major at your school. Number one, it's good for them and their resume because they can put on their resume. They worked with whatever D1 athlete. And then also you're looking good to a brand if you're not good at creating content. Just hire them to create them. Give them a part of the fee for creating that content for you instead of sending content in that's blurry, that's not on brand, that didn't no. follow the brief. Like you have the all these students at your school, at your beck and call that want this experience. So get them to create stuff for you instead of sending stuff in that is completely off brand and then you look bad to the brand because they're like okay like he got a million followers but he don't know how to make a tiktok so like no, i love that because what you're basically <laughs> saying first of all you got to invest back because it's like that's true like this is this is what i do probably way too much but money i make i usually invest like so much back into the business because you do one deal good i've worked with the same brand most of the times any brand i work with i work with them more than one time like usually if i work with them i work with them more than one time because you got to over deliver but i love what you said because yeah go get you a comms major somebody that's doing video editing somebody that's doing that stuff and pay them some change you got to remember it's not gonna be that much but yeah. i love that i love that and so you're not only in the nil space though you book out straight up influencers that just do different events and stuff like that. There was this term influencer that exploded, right? And then all of a sudden now it's like, I see, and I'm putting air quotes around influencers because I know that they're involved, but they are acting now. They're doing like, they're starring in movies and there's this give and take where I could see why, uh, like somebody that has a show coming out, they want to have somebody with a million followers. So is that kind of like, do you get pitched that? Is that even... Does talent matter or is it really followers? <laughs> like, what no, no. So it's a combination of both. If, if you're going to play the long game, talent definitely matters. Like, so like, I like to say, I'm so glad we're past the flat tummy tea stage. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're about, we're a little over a decade into influencer marketing now. I think like Instagram is like 12 or 13 years old or whatever. And that's when it really erupted. And in the early days of influencer marketing, it literally was just whoever got the most followers paid them to just post about this. It didn't make any sense. It wasn't organic to who they were. Like the flat tummy tea stuff. It would be girls that's been skinny since they was all their life. And what you need to play? Like, how are you going to convince somebody that's that's got a little extra 
that this tea gonna make their stomach go away magically because you are like it was just so dumb the way and um that was the best thing about tiktok really blowing up is because tiktok those comments are like literally case studies that people pay millions of dollars for because people call out when it's inauthentic to the influencer they call out if the brand partnership doesn't make any sense whereas instagram it was all about the facade when it came about it was like it was like fake it till you make it put all the filters on do like whatever it takes to just get these likes and these followers so um um, now that we're past that flat tummy tea stage, it's about authenticity. It's about those real partnerships. It's about things that make sense. And so that's what's going to be the difference between those creators that transcend off of social media from really being talented and the ones that are always going to only be on social media. So, uh, and it's, of course, it's a plus for uh, those big like movie com production companies or TV shows um, to have influencers that everybody sees every day on their feed and stuff because it's like, especially with marketing budgets getting cut, like we're in this like weird weird like half recession people don't know what the economy is going to be like so uh, the first half of this year a lot of brands that spent like millions of dollars that first year in COVID only spent like a half a million this year so you gotta realize that these numbers seem large to people like what you're saying like a half a million but like can you break that down because a half a million I can see how that budget won't go far when you're dealing oh, with it's not. It's, so, it's so not can you just break that down because people might be like a half a million but break down like what are numbers that and how that breaks down for marketing budgets yeah yeah, yeah. so a half a million is like pennies in marketing budgets because it's like you have to do digital you have to do um traditional pr and press you have to do um like those paid ads every time an ad comes uh, on your feed or in a newspaper or in times square billboard like all that stuff is marketing any cross marketing like say you want to do like a spotify playlist for your um movie or tv show that's coming out or like or you want um or if it's a product and you want um, product placement and a music video. Like all of that stuff comes into marketing and costs a lot of money. So 500K ain't getting you nothing. Coming up next, we're going to talk more with Eb Jones, especially about working from home as opposed to the office. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I want to kind of backtrack a little bit because you're telling us all about the influencer marketing and because you're leading it, but you are almost an influencer in your own right. I'm sitting here wearing a hoodie that you created. Okay. I want, I wanted to make sure I got it on my own platform. The creator talking about this, the orange hoodie became iconic. We know that we've seen one of Kobe's last posts was him wearing the orange hoodie. You created this orange hoodie. I want to hear like the thought process of how it became about, because when we're talking about influence and creators, it's like, this was created from scratch. <laughs> like this was created from the brain 
of baby G F Jones. So it's like, I'm just, but for real, because like this became a staple, almost a fashion piece. One correction. I didn't create it, but I did all the marketing around it. So I just like to always like to clear that up. So fanatics created it. Um, they, um, got our new logo a couple months before we launched. It's crazy. Cause that's the story of how we even met like my first campaign that I did when I was at the W you were one of the stars in that make way campaign. So it was big lit. Yeah. So, um, but basically how the story goes is we, when I came into the W, like the first thing I wanted to do was change the merch. I was like, when I looked on the website, it was all pink and bedazzled stuff and it was 2019. So I was like, in what world are we still doing pink and bedazzled for women's sports? Like I just didn't understand. And especially the W when the women there are just so diverse and like, so like who was wearing pink and bedazzled stuff? I just could not understand it. Um, So when we were doing, going through that rebrand, we came up with like all these ideas for merch. And then I realized that the league doesn't control the merch. So I was like, well, how do I make this cool stuff happen, right? Like, what, what do you mean we don't control our own merch? So it was about like having meetings with fanatics. They already had certain stuff that was already with the new logo on it that they made that were their silhouettes. So it was about going through their, their site of the silhouettes they sent me and just picking something to be a staple. One of the things that I did when I first got to the W was do a full social media audit because I was over content and influencer stuff. Um, and one of the biggest thing I saw when I when I did the audit was like every all the fans complained about the merch that it was just not good merch they couldn't find good merch um and so we had already did some custom stuff for the draft that year that like every time somebody that was at the draft that year posted about it all the fans were like where can we get that so I remember that phase so it was really just about me going on fanatics finding something that they were selling and making it our staple item and the reason why I went to the orange hoodie is just because of the color like it was just so bright there was nothing else on the site that wasn't like black white or gray that was the only one that just had a pop of color but I was like so like like just conflicted because the W is a summer sport. So I was like, who are we going to get to wear a hoodie in the summertime? It's hoodie season all season. First of all, don't, say no, crazy. don't like, say no crazy stuff like that around me. I wear a hoodie all year round and so does everybody. If you go into the grocery store last minute, nine o'clock at night, you're trying to grab something, you not you will probably put on a hoodie. Okay, it's yeah. a year round thing. Well, I live in New York. So yes, hoodies are year round. <laughs> you in Atlanta, I don't understand it, but, it, but it's fine. It's, it's, it's fine. But in the arenas, it's chilly. So in the arena, it's like it's still like you still feel good like you don't got the chills or nothing so it ended up working out and like you said like Kobe ended up like it was like a little slow burn like the players loved it they all had one we gifted it to them so they were out rocking it so then the fans started rocking it because they saw the players in it and I shifted to like a couple of like influencers influential people um and they started rocking it and posting about it and then of course it, it completely took off when Kobe wore it so. I'm glad you mentioned okay thank you for Natics first of all because it's lit and the marketing around it, though, that's what can elevate a product. Mm -hmm. And you also like we going back, back. We're going backwards now because I feel like you live 100 lives because how are you connected to the music industry? Now, y'all just heard all this stuff she said about sports. She was with the WNBA over the marketing and influencer. But and now I want you guys to know that there's also a, a music arm that I feel like is a strong piece of yours, because if you guys don't follow Eb the Celeb on social media, she drops playlists all the time. She shows a lot of love to Spotify and she needs to show more love to Apple. But I know it's it's so much. It's so hard to keep up with several platforms. But yeah, my Apple music people be cussing me out because I like. <laughs> 
update my Apple playlist like once per quarter and I update my Spotify playlist every week and they'd be like, okay, like, hello, like you forgot about us over here. But yeah, um, my music, like sports was never supposed to happen. I love sports, played sports growing up, ran track, played volleyball, obsessed with football, like diehard Dallas Cowboy fan. So always was a sports fanatic, but never wanted to work in sports. I always wanted to work in music. I, I was like, I'm going to be the female Spike Lee, but for music videos, like that was always the goal. Like, to be to be like this most innovative video production person ever. Um, and so I went to college for um, for broadcast production in North Carolina, Aggie pride to all my Aggies. Um, and when you live in a small town for college like Greensboro, North Carolina, there aren't that many places to intern in the music industry. So I ended up interning at the local radio station there. Shout out to my one or two jams family. So that was my introduction to the industry. Um, I ended up being the assistant to the music director there. Shout out to Tap Money. Love you. Love you lots. Um, and um, he was the music director at the time and then just saw a light in me. It was like, you, you got to be on air. So I ended up being on air. Um, for the last two years that I was in college, um, I actually last three years, I like started part time. And then um, the last two years I was in college, um, ended up having a more regular role. Um, and then from that relationship, I started being his assistant. I started meeting all these label people in that were in New York because they would have to fly down to North Carolina and make sure that we were playing their records. So Tap would always take me out to dinner. So I'm meeting all these record label people. So I ended up um, getting in accepted into NYU for their graduate music business program, moved back to New York. And then at that point, too, was right before blogging was popping. And I was like doing my YouTube interviews, like when, when artists came to the station and started my YouTube. And then when I moved to New York, started a, a music blog, an R&B blog. And I was getting all these exclusive interviews with all these people. So I was like, how the heck is this girl by herself? Like getting all these interviews with these big name people. And it was because I had all those label relationships. Um, and from that, then um, BT called, cause they were like, oh, we're gonna start our own music blogs. Can you run our music blog? So my homeboy Loki was doing, like was already doing it from a male perspective. And they was like, we need a female writer to come in to give the female perspective on music. So we ran that blog for a little while. And then I converted to doing all the digital content for all the BT sh music shows. So like at that point, like Monica had her reality show, Keisha Cole had her reality show, 106 and Park was on. So I was doing all the digital content for those shows. That's when it was alive, honey. Yeah, that's when BT was really popping. BT Awards, Hip Hop Awards. Um, Big Tig, The Basement. Yep, I was doing all the, the online content for that. Um, and the only reason why like I left that situation was um, because it like that's when the music industry started getting weird. It was like Napster had blew up. So they were like cutting jobs because uh -oh. they didn't know what to do. And it was like, yeah, way back in Napster day. So that was the really the only reason why I left music is because it got so finicky and I ended up getting a job offer at ESPN just out the blue, wasn't even looking. Um, and I was like, and so I was, a, um, I worked on digital for, for ESPN mobile for a couple of years. Um, and then that's when I was like, wait, I really, I really like this. Like the only reason why I left ESPN, cause they tried to move my job to Bristol, Connecticut from New York. I was like, <laughs> you wasn't moving. That was not happening. So uh, I was like, I don't care what's going on. I'm not moving it over to Connecticut. Um, so that's the only reason why, like I left sports and like went back to music. But, um, but luckily that's, I made so many great relationships in both, um, in both, um, industries that I was just able to bounce back and forth for the last 20 years. Like I'll get tired of music, like, okay, sports, I'm ready working you for a couple Couple years and then I get tired of sports. I'm like, okay, music, I miss you. I'm coming back. So yeah, I just been blessed in that right. I'm glad you did your whole journey because that led you now to Gary V. Like, how did y'all meet? How did that connection happen? Because he's honestly a little bit of both now. I could see how you could be touching a lot of different 
platforms and different media with that. Yeah, so I'm at Gallery Media Group, which is one of the many companies that Gary V owns under his uh, VaynerX conglomerate. Um, me and Gary didn't even meet till like six months after I started at the company. Like, <laughs> like that's how busy he is. Um, but how I got the job is crazy. So um, a guy named Ryan, who I actually um, met at, when I was at the W. So, you know, um, the year, was it 20? Yeah, 2019, um, the W's um, media partner was Bustle Magazine. And they do this huge festival um, in Brooklyn and um, in um, Prospect Park called Bustle Festival, and we were the main sponsor. So we were the activation. And the head of sales, Ryan, used to be the head of sales at Gallery Media Group. So he um, was basically the one who, like, coerced me to, like, take the job because he was like, I know you'll be great for this. So you didn't even meet Gary V at all until six months later on yeah. the job. Yep. Mm -hmm. Gary V is that busy? Like, I just... Yeah, girl. It's so crazy. You're, like, shaking your head. I'm like... He's that big. Actually, that's a lie. So I have met him and because remote too. Like we're all remote. Oh, he goes in the office a lot, but like we don't have to go in the office that much. So that was a big part of it, like taking so long. But um, so yeah, but he is that busy too. Like, but I, if I went in the office more, I probably would. It probably wouldn't have taken that long, but I just rarely go in that the office. That is crazy. I mean, I think it's dope because like he is kind of, we're starting to see these happen. Pat McAfee, where one person builds off of their brand and builds it into a conglomerate, as you just called it. And you can see it even corporate America, I'm going to put air quotes around it, is looking different because look what you even just said. You're like, yeah, we got an office. Whether I go into it or not is, you know, it's up to you. That's a new, like, what is that corporate office like for Gary V? I'm curious. I hate saying it, but, but that's probably the best thing that came out of COVID. Like, we would never have this much transparency, this much flexibility, this much work-life balance if not for COVID. Because people were just convinced that you all got to be in the office every day, commute whatever amount of time, be in there nine to five, and then go home and cook dinner. Like, and that was the routine. You just did it in day in and day out. And COVID realized, like, I don't need to be in y'all face every day to do my job and do it well. So that was the best part of that. But um, we have a fully flexible environment. It's a couple of days um, in the office. Like, officially, it's like two days in the office, three days out of the office. Um, but it's really flexible with, like, people's schedule. Like, on our side, on GMG side, we go, like, four times a month. It's, like, basically, like, once a week, maybe. Um, but it's really about, um, like, I, like, any company that's making people go back into the office three days a week, like they're just going to lose out on the best talent that they have because um, people that are really about culture and those super creative people, like, and it's all in right now, the way it is now, like being in the office is a distraction because you're not in the office that much. Like every time I go in the office, I feel like <laughs> I have no work done because like, you're talking to talk people and like, it's like too much going on. So it's like, I get way more work done when I'm just sitting at home in my little home office. Wow. That's interesting though, because it's crazy to think, but so what, what's the point in the one time a week? Like, do you set up meeting? Like, what is a meeting that you say we have to have this meeting in person? Is there any meeting anymore like that? I mean, there isn't anything that I say we have to have this meeting in person, but I do realize that like, cause I manage a team of, of 18 people and I realized half of my, like half of my team graduated during the pandemic. So they've wow. never been in the office before. And these Gen Zers just have no decorum sometimes. Like they just, <laughs> so, I, so I like the fact that we go in a couple of times a month just so they can see the office environment. Like this is how it really usually is because they just have no cognizance. This is crazy. Gen Z, Gen yeah. Z is, ha, has lived a very unique life with the 
with with everything that's happened, their group, because they may not they they may not experience corporate America as we know it. Yeah. That's gone probably forever. Even TV crews now, the TV crews is half the size because they figured out how to do it with half the size and the full crew just never came back, which we kind of all expected. But it's kind of crazy. And I know you talked a lot about um, like corporate world and you work for BET. The BET Awards recently just happened. I want to, what's your thoughts? Um, what was your feels, your thoughts? What's going on? We were obviously talking during Twitter, so I know that during yeah, it. We but. sort of watched together. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, like, <laughs> we call it the EBT Awards for a reason. Like, that's all I'm going to say. Like, it's for entertainment purposes only. Like, you can't take it too seriously. I mean, we had a good run. Like, there were some that were the production-wise. It was like, okay, this is Grammys level. Like, th that was a really good show this year. This year, uh, I can't really say that. It was, like, one of the best shows. Um, but I feel like the talent that they were able to dig up from wherever they dug them up at, was, Listen, the 50 years of hip-hop. Yes. Yes. So they were able to definitely bring that to life. I know a lot of people were complaining about like, oh, we just got rid of Jesus this year. <laughs> you know, they usually have a gospel performance. Okay. okay you know what? They could have had, let's to keep it hip-hop, they could have had Lecrae come on and something, do a hip-hop rap or something. Auntie Patty, like... Like, why do we keep I'm trying, like, y'all? Why do we keep setting her up like this? Like, she, like, she is too mature for us to keep doing this to her. Like, y'all know she can't see way out, way out and there. She, she's on the proper she has way said out. that she can't remember the lyrics. I mean, honestly, the older people get it is hard. Like, you can go blanks. Y'all gotta have the come on the teleprompters. Come on now, y'all know what y'all working just with. Just have somebody that was gonna really do Tina. Like, like, like Fantasia would have killed doing a Tina. So you didn't want Miss Patty up there doing Tina then? Come on now. Like, Miss Patty ain't gonna roll on the river. Like, she not doing the dance. Like, it should have been the essence of what Tina brought. Like, not just somebody standing there doing a cover. Like, we can get that anywhere. Like, <laughs> it should have been somebody that really emulated what Tina brought, what she been through. And I feel like Fantasia with her rock soul thing, she would have killed that. Like, she would have kicked off her heels. Like, like she would have done Tina justice. Like I'm, I'm upset they missed the mark on that because I love Tina Turner to 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 the dawn. And they, that was tough. They did Tina dirty. On that, that was tough. I will say that was tough. But the other side of it, as you mentioned, though that that they turned up. Like I felt like I was partying. Like me and Serena, we literally were dancing in the yeah. house. Like it was a literal like like party like that it was, was. It was. somebody needs to you need to make that a playlist of what they did with that throwback they did it in sets well, they no, did it. No, oh you was repping the new york set i'm like here they go people Atlanta had a little moment west virginia don't got no rappers so y'all can't have a moment so that's why you i know why you be like claiming atlanta because you can't claim west virginia in that right 304 to 404 is what i claim but this is home now i was born and raised in west virginia this is home now but yes new york y'all had a set y'all had y'all did y'all stuck fizzle so baby g is going to stick around with us because the crew is going to join in with us we're going to have some conversations
there's confidence, right? So I mentioned confidence at the top of this show because, first of all, we saw with a lot of the rookies, it was a big topic where a rookie coming in from college, coming into the WNBA, there was a lot of rookies getting cut. A lot of rookies' confidence was basically shattered, and that's why we saw some lash out. But confidence is a thing that, like, people don't really discuss as, like, a – a thing that you need, like people don't say like, what are requirements that you need? But when you hear confidence, that's the first thing that pops in my mind. And I want to read a headline for y'all to show y'all kind of what confidence can or cannot do when somebody rejects you. So here's the headline. Come on, Georgia, a Georgia man paid $80,000 for a painful limb lengthening surgery after his crush rejected him. And he says he feels like a new man. And after his crush thought, so basically, he's a 5'5 guy. He was 27, and he underwent a surgery to make him six feet tall because that's what the requirements. Now, Ev, why did she say six feet? Like, Ev perked up. See, this is the problem. <laughs> I want to know, was it worth it? You know, it probably it probably is worth it. I don't know. I don't either. I don't either. All your life being six foot, that is definitely worth it. I didn't even know this was a game that you could do this. Like, I don't know. When I heard that, I'm like, you can do this? You, there's a surgery to make you well, tall? When you said limb surgery, and then now his ex, like, rejected it was coming back. I was I was thinking a different limb. She but came that's, back? That's show. Y'all want to know his name is Denzel. So Denzel Sigers, 27 years old. Yes, he was 5'5". And you know how women act when somebody is five five this man now is six foot tall and he said he's living his best life honey so have any of y'all been rejected well wait first of all i think we need to have kevin hart on here because he's living his best <laughs> life at five four. Oh, i'm telling you he's rich and famous no because his bank account makes him six foot okay <laughs> and look how he's disrespecting all these women who are five four and five three and five two there's a whole of women who are that high. There you go. Three women want a six foot man. I appreciate Snook because Snook is 5'10. So she doesn't have to stick up for us little people that are 5'2 and a half like me. So thank you, Snook. I, no, I, I mean, he's acting like there's no beautiful women who are 5'4 and below. He need us get out of the big, you know, hanging around with the big girls and get down there with the girls. <laughs> that, you know. No, the issue is the women that are that short are dating dudes six feet tall. Like, Jada and Will. Jada Boom. is big. And Will is like double her height. Like that's and look at Zendaya and Tom Holland. She's way taller than him. What? That's the reverse example. Personally, I'm five ten, <laughs> and I would never ever date someone who was shorter than I was. I'm just saying it just didn't make it didn't bother me. But I just felt about I felt bad about their egos because things could get real bad, you know. I brought up Zendaya and Tom Holland. I know that that's a different example, but I mean, he's wearing his shortness with confidence. He got himself a tall girl. He said Zendaya was his crush growing up. By the way, his childhood crush was Zendaya. And then he got to act like, and then the rest was history as we know. But Snook said, she's not dating nobody 5'10 and below. Maybe you're the reason why God, what if he was attracted to you? See, you got it reversed. Um, you know what? We do attract them. We always attract them. The real <laughs> short men are the first ones. And I don't know about his confidence. I have met the most confident short men in my entire too confident. Just too it's, confident. it's almost like. Okay, I appreciate that you have this confidence, but at the same time, it's not my my cup of tea. But they don't care, so I think he should he could stay five five. He just had to get his confidence up. Boom. Period. Well, my grandmother, one of her friends, said that it didn't matter because when you went to bed, you were always the same 
high, so I don't know. That's what she snuck. <laughs> and his legs is touching on my knees and his toes is. I'm just saying, short. when I told someone old, my older generation that, that's what they told me. It didn't yeah, matter. You ain't going to get to see what I look, what how we match up laying down because standing up, you you don't fit the bill. <laughs> y'all are almost proving him right. Like, he's like, basically from everything that y'all have said, right when I said he became six feet, Ab was like, oh, wait a minute. No. <laughs> Limb lengthening surgery. So I wanted to talk to you guys about that, but we're going to keep moving on. I want to mm, talk mm, about mm. <laughs> code switching all right so there's code switching that happens all the time honestly like i'm gonna tell you right now if people say they don't code switch their line because i everybody should code switch for their parents when you talk to your parents you better have a certain niceness softness in your voice that I just you should know who somebody talking to when they talking to their parents like oh hi snook it's just you might get higher you might that so there is code switching that happens all the time but there's also code switching when it happens to incorporations or in, and we talked about baby G and I when y'all listen to our interview we've talked about being in the office and that's not even a normal thing anymore but I'm gonna let you start it off baby G what's that code switching look like so code switching is mainly people of color have to deal with it, right? Because corporate America wasn't made for us to show up um, as ourselves. Well, this world wasn't made for us to show up as ourselves. They've always been trying to uh, lessen who we are as a people in whatever way they can. Um, and so cold switching still happens because being black isn't looked at as being professional. Like, thank God the Crown Act, we got that approved. So, so now no matter how you wear your hair as a black person, it's considered professional. But when it comes to being in these corporations, being in the office, most black people have to code switch and like not can be and don't can't have the luxury of being their full selves, which is disheartening, especially because like with me working in marketing and advertising, everything that you market to and advertising all has some sort of element of culture and what people of color do just normally every day. So you want to take from our culture to market to it, but the people that's actually market, like the people that you hire to make that happen have to lessen themselves in order to get that job to make you look better on the marketing side, which I just feel like is complete bull. Like we, like I, Thankfully, well, I don't know, thankfully, like to my own demise have always showed up as myself because I knew that I was great at what I did. So that's the balance with back, that what that black people have that other nationalities don't have to do. It's like if we show up as ourselves, we have to be 10 times better than everybody else. Absolutely. There for them to put up with us. So I luckily was OK with losing a job. Like, I'm not going to lessen myself for anybody because I know that I'm extremely good. I can attest to that. So I was like, well, you lose it out. If you lose me, you lose it out. But this is how you're going to get it. I'm going to be respectful, but I'm still going to be myself. And you're going to get the best product because I'm being myself. If I have to stipend myself and my personality and who I am, you're not getting the best parts of me that's going to make me great at my job. So unfortunately, it's just something we have to deal with as people of color in the, in the workforce. But hopefully, just like the Crown Act, we got that passed. That hopefully 
some years from now, these Gen Zers won't even know what code switching is because they'll be showing up as themselves all the time. I always like the joke where like back in the day when somebody's on the phone with like their job, you always knew like your homegirls would be like, oh, hello. Like you always knew when they answered the phone, <laughs> sure. they would come out with their job or something. Yes, yes. how they talk to you. So um, I hope we'll get to a point where where us as people of color can just show up as who we are and that be accepted as professional um, in every facet of whatever we're working on. So it's funny that you're talking about that because I was the code switcher point, the person who pointed out. So I was the one, I'm like that in my office. I would say what I said. I would just let you know, professionally say what I had, but it was me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is crazy. But I was also the person that would, like if I were to say something and everybody looked kind of crazy, when the other person of another culture would go off and go wild and act crazy, I'd be like, wow, now I know I couldn't do that. So I'm going <laughs> to point it out. I'm going to point it out because I'm gonna like, see now y'all working, wait, um, waiting on me to do this, but look who's doing it and it's acceptable. So I would always point it out. I'd be like, now if I acted like that and then people be like, <laughs> then everybody has to be like, well, you know, so I actually know exactly what you're talking about because I've actually experienced racism because of code switching, which is so much more funnier because I used to work at Verizon in the business office, a small business office. And I'd answer the phone, my professional voice. And, you know, the person (laughs) came with a line and apparently the previous person he spoke to was not as professional, was not good, was not this, was not that. And he must have could tell by their voice they didn't code switch what what they were actually were so he was and so he had a few choice words um a few choice slurs and i had to let him know that i was one of those slurs but mm. i did it very professional i was oh, like yeah. you had your professional voice on he must have thought you was white yeah he thought i was i was in the same in the same group as he was and he called some people some porch monkeys and I was like yeah sometimes us porch monkeys we do have some bad days as well and then the whole conversation just was like it got real quiet and he was like well do you have my confirmation number I'm sitting there working the whole time talking to him let me just go ahead he was just (laughs) ranting on the ride just let him go and I said yeah sometimes us porch monkeys have bad days too and then he was like do you have my confirmation number I sure do gave him his confirmation number got the phone so Post switching sometimes can it, it can expose people too. It exposes mm. people. I'm from the old school. I'm always different from everyone else. And this code switching thing really fascinates me because when I first started working at HBCU, I was in charge of getting college graduates jobs in the employment world. And one of the things we always taught them was conforming and being whatever field you were in, you needed to go see how those people looked when they went to work. How did they dress? You know, and kind of, you know, if you can catch them at lunch and see what they're talking about and how they're acting, because most of the time, if you go for went for an interview and you didn't fit into what their mode of operation was, then you didn't get the job. So we actually taught code switching. Wow. <laughs> uh, to, wow every, that's crazy. To, to everyone, not only minority students, but white students, because, you know, we would say, maybe you want to take the nose ring out or mm-hmm. you know, maybe you want to go with your non-green hair today when you go for your interview and <laughs> no tattoos know, showing. Yeah, cover them yeah. up, you know, and, you know, let's not talk about, you know, what you're growing at home and all of that and everything. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we actually taught code switching as, as wow. a Wow. Uh, means of getting employment after graduation. So. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. That was that a time. That is crazy because that shows you the times. Like they say a sign of the times and like 
for instance, like Eb talked about the Crown Act. It's survival the- too, you know, like what Eb was saying, to survive in the workplace, these are the things that you're going to have to do or else you're going to stick out in not a good way. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, even the Crown Act, for people that don't know what the Crown Act is, any style you want to wear your hair, whether it's your natural hair, like all of us on the call right now, all of our hair has to be acceptable because of the Crown Act. It doesn't matter what your hair looks like as long as it's in a certain way done. It doesn't matter what it looks like. That's the crown act. But I mean, look at this from Snook to now where Snook is Snook's generation was literally teaching you the one Oh ones on this is how you code switch because you got to code switch to get that job. Yeah. Um, and it's like, and it's, it's a whole thing now. Like even like we were talking about uh, Carlton and Bel Air, like how his character is the character that conforms and yes. that, you know, and, and that's not necessarily like the right thing to do, you know? So it's crazy that, was being taught and i guess for even just for like hispanic communities code switching looks a little bit like you know i would say like changing your accent a little bit like when you're around your your spanish-speaking people your accent just comes out like however you know so it's kind of like what ed was saying you know like these kinds of uh you know code switching things is is for people to for, for people to fit in in the workplace so we're talking with our with our you know spanish accent and in our new york accent like even like when i moved to georgia I had to really tone down my New York <laughs> accent because it was like people couldn't understand me. And I like and then I realized I'm like, oh, shoot, I guess I do talk a certain kind of way. You know, now I don't even know what my accent is. It's like a mix in between Atlanta, New York, Dominican, Salvadoran. I don't even know. It's a whole bunch of stuff. Well, Sam, you're ac- absolutely right. Demographics plays a lot in it because Definitely. you can be in a corporate office in New York. And some of the things that you might be able to get away with there, you couldn't get away with, say, in North Carolina or Alabama. So demographics plays a big role in in if you have to code switch or not on your own. Absolutely. Yeah. Even my little nephew does it. My little nephew, Jordy, when he talks to us, he talks like a regular like like person who was born in L.A. because he was born in L.A. He's five years old. So he he has like a really good American, good accent, you know. But when he talks to my mom, do it how he talks. Mamacita, what are you doing? Uh, why are you doing this? I don't want to. I'm like, she don't like she, you're not speaking Spanish. You're actually speaking in English to her, but he thinks that she's going to understand up. him better. That he knows that already at five years old. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? It's almost like, it's, like, it's, it's almost second nature for them to code switch a little bit, like yeah. to talk to the grandparents, talk to your friends, talk to your aunt, you know, so it's, it's crazy that it's instilled even that young. Jordy will talk to all five of us a different way. When I tell you yes. he is. Well, he talks to Diddy. He talks like like he's from West Virginia. Like, I don't even know. Like, he was born. So it's almost natural to want to fit in. And that's kind of like code switching almost. It's, it's great when you're the group that people are trying to fit in too. But code switching gets a little bit tired and a little bit old when it's like, you just want to pull up to work. You don't want to have to do a do that's not really your do, but you got to give them a do that works for them. It's like, come on now. Like we kind of want everybody at this point that's why this Gen Z, we talk about Gen Z and even like Gen X and all Gen Alpha and everybody like each generation, they've picked things that they're going to tolerate, basically. And now this new generation, it's like they're not tolerating a lot. No, no. <laughs> they're like, this is who we are and this is who y'all going to accept. OK, <laughs> like nothing. So confidence is basically it decided what you're going to tolerate and what you're not going to tolerate and then being comfortable with the results that happen after that. That's the main thing. So as you guys know, every week it's a generational thing here, but hey, I guess generationally things are code switching. 
Confidence is everything. When we're talking about building your brand, when you're talking about building your company, when you're just talking about building your family, a relationship, you have no idea how much confidence plays a part. How confident are you and your partner? How confident is your partner in you? How confident are you that you can build this business to a million dollar business? Confidence is crazy. Like athletes have to have confidence. There's fans literally booing you at all times in the game. You got to have own built-in confidence that I just airballed that shot. I'm going to make the next one. That's just confidence because I don't know if I am, but I'm just hopeful. And, you know, Eb dropped a little line. She said somebody told her, don't attach your skill set to where you work. Keep that in mind. One last thing. I'll see you guys in two weeks because we will not have an episode next week. I'm going to be hanging with the crew, with the fam. We're going to be at Essence Fest enjoying our time. But if you want to follow along and join along, MoCo on the go, y'all know how we do. Check our social medias out, Montgomery Co. Pod. Check in, tap in, see what we up to. We'll see y'all in a couple weeks. Where's the generational thing? Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.